It's amazing to me that there were no doubt some there who had witnessed this great miracle and they chose not to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But it continues to this day. You have people who hear the testimony of Jesus Christ and there's always two main choices, either to believe or to not believe. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Well, we're going to be picking up today in John chapter 11, verse 45, picking up where we left off last week. And this is just following the events surrounding the resurrection of Lazarus from the grave. As I was going through that and thinking about it again this week, I mean, it's the climax of the seven miracles that John recorded in his gospel. He only chose seven. And the resurrection of Lazarus from the grave was the seventh, the climatic miracle that he gave to us. When you look at the event itself as recorded in John's gospel and verses 1 through 44, you find that most of the story revolves around Jesus' disciples, Martha and Mary. Lazarus gets two lines. Verse 43, Lazarus, come forth. And then the next verse, he tells the people around to loose him. So the majority of the story really involves others who were there. And as Jesus ministered to, especially Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha. Last week, we were reminded that Jesus delayed his coming. And in the delay of his coming, there was even a greater miracle. Martha, when she met Jesus, said, Lord, if you'd only been here, my brother would still live. Mary, when she came out to meet Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would still live. Even the people uh, testified, if he had only been here, Lazarus would still live. But the Lord's delay brought forth a greater miracle. And it reminds us that when we go through trials in this life and it appears that Jesus is not answering our prayers, perhaps his delay is for even a greater work that he intends to do. I have found that to be true in my own life. I don't like the delays, but in hindsight, I appreciate them so much. And although John chapter 11 is surrounding the events of the Lord bringing back Lazarus from the grave, we meet Mary and Martha. And last week we looked at both of these sisters, Martha, to do her always busy when she heard that Jesus 
had come, she went out to meet him. And this is, it's Mary. We'll see it in John 12 as well. She always liked to be doing, always was busy doing. But it was during her conversation with Jesus, when they were talking about the resurrection of the dead, she said, I know that he will rise again in the last day. And it's there that Jesus said, our memory verse for this month, John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And it reminds us that transformation is at the heart of the ministry, the transformation of the Lord, not only for the there and then, one day when we get to heaven, but for the here and now. The Lord is wanting to do a work in our lives right now. And we also met Mary the worshiper last week. We'll meet her again today in chapter 12. And when she heard that Jesus had come, was asking for her, uh, she came and she fell down at his feet. And, and we noted, and I'll say it again as we go through this message, that Mary is always found at the feet of Jesus in Scripture. She's always worshiping the Lord uh, at his feet. But what was really noticeable to me as we looked at this last week when Martha came to her sister and said, he's calling for you, and Mary uh, got up to leave, the people who were mourning with her said, perhaps she's going to the tomb to mourn, and they went with her. And what we noticed last week was this beautiful picture of those who respond to Jesus' call. They'll often bring others with them into the presence of Jesus. You know, as we respond to Jesus and the call that he has placed upon our lives, Others will see it, and quite often they'll come with us and prayerfully come to faith in Jesus Christ. And we closed out last week with this beautiful look. I've already said the verses, uh, Lazarus come forth, and Jesus crying out, and he came out in his grave clothes. And then Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And we took notice of that last week as a great picture of the work of Jesus, who not only saves us, but he frees us from the bondage of sin that so enslaves our lives. John 8.36, I love this verse I have for many years. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And I think sometimes we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we hang on to the bondage. And we don't allow the Lord to totally set us free. And we need to stand not upon how we feel, but stand upon the word of God, the promises of God. It's the Lord. If he makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So today we're going to look at verses John 11, verses 45 through the end of the chapter. We'll get into chapter 12, all the way to verse 8. And we're going to look at one died for all. A lot less scripture than last week. So... Last week, I tried to move things along fairly quickly to make sure we could cover all 44 verses. And I did fairly well with that as far as time was concerned. And I was thinking about that this week, and I realized when I have less scripture, I'm not so worried about time, that's when it gets dangerous for me. <laughs> so I only have two points with some subpoints in here, but the two points mainly because we have two basic sections that we're going to be looking at today. One died for all, John eleven forty four, all the way through John 12, 8. 
And we're going to see today, what shall we do? John 11, verses 45 through 57, and the anointing at Bethany, John 12, verses 1 through 8. I want to go ahead and just uh, read in the first couple of verses and open us up in prayer. And we'll get into today's teaching. John 11, verses 45 and 46. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. So, Father, we thank you for your word that you've given us and allowing us, Lord, to just celebrate the great accounting of some of the events that took place while you walked upon this earth. John would testify in his own gospel that he couldn't write everything down. He, at one point, said, I would suppose that if I wrote everything about Jesus, all the books in the world could not contain it. But John was very specific through the empowering of your Holy Spirit to record these events for us, for our learning, that we might not only come to faith, but grow in our faith and help us to do that, we pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we find here, what shall we do? We find here in the uh, beginning, just after Lazarus had come forth from the grave, some who had witnessed this event, others perhaps who had heard about it, they immediately went to the religious rulers in Jerusalem to tell on Jesus. Now look at what Jesus is doing. He's bringing people back from the grave. And they were dead for four days. And it caused a worry for the religious rulers. Now this is John's, as I said, his climatic miracle that he recorded for us. He was specific in the miracles that he wanted us to hear, to read about, to learn about, and said in John 20, 30, and 31 that truly Jesus did many other signs, as I was just saying, in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And when all the miracles that Jesus had done, there's always two main outcomes, as we see in verses 45 and 46. You have those who believe and those who do not believe. And that continues to this day. It's amazing to me that there were no doubt some there who had witnessed this great miracle and they chose not to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But it continues to this day. You have people who hear the testimony of Jesus Christ, and there's always two main choices, either to believe or to not to believe. In John 12, verse 9, and also in verse 11, it says, Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, because on account of him, many Jews went away and believed in Jesus. And so we'll get a little glimpse into next week's teaching. But because of this miracle, the raising of Lazarus from the grave, many did believe in Jesus. But there were those who either saw the miracle or heard about the miracle, and yet they still disbelieved. Now, the difficult thing in their day and age they could have heard about the miracle, 
and uh, said, no, there's no way that that could happen. Well, you know, Lazarus is right over here. Let me go get him. You know, we have documents on this. We have a lot of witnesses who, uh, these are the guys who helped bury him there in the tomb. And four days later, he came forth. Here's the grave clothes that he was wearing at that time when the Lord set him free. So we find in verses 47 through 48, the chief priests, they're pondering if we let him alone. They had this question. And the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, what shall we do for this man works many signs? If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our, both our place and our nation. This event of Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the grave called for an emergency session of the Sanhedrin court. When they brought the whole court together, it was 71 members that included the high priest. They weren't worried about what Jesus had done in the sense of wanting to believe in him. What they were worried about were three basic things. They knew that Jesus had worked many signs, and they knew that if they let him alone, everyone would believe in Jesus. And they knew that their political status and their nation, they put that before the will of God in their lives. They knew that Jesus had worked many signs, yet they still rejected him. We find the same thing with Jesus' disciples in Acts 4.16. The Sanhedrin court again, they're saying, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. They couldn't deny the miracles. And yet they didn't believe. Secondly, they knew that if let alone, everyone would believe in Jesus. In Luke 8, 12, it's part of the parable of the th Sore, it's the same thing. Those by the wayside, the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. That's the work of Satan. You hear it, and if that seed would have a chance to plant and grow, faith would come. And so Satan works, and as the religious rulers here, a majority of them working to make sure that faith didn't come to their nation. And that is all because they put their political status and their nation before the will of God. They said, if we let them alone, Rome will come and they'll take away our place and our nation. They were more worried about their position, their status, and the people, the nation itself, and the two go hand in hand. Without the nation of Israel, there would be no place or position. The two went hand in hand. They're more worried about that than following the will of God for their lives. Yet Jesus would say in Matthew 16, 26, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? We find that the religious rulers, they were willing to exchange status, place, position, rather than doing the will of God for their lives. Here's an interesting thing about this. Rome did come and take away their place and their nation. But it was because they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. 
And that begs the question, if they would have accepted Jesus, would God have spared their place and spared their nation? Matthew 23, 37 and 38, Jesus cried out, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who sent her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. They were not willing to allow Jesus to be the Lord over their lives. They were more worried about their status in this life than the will of God for their lives. And so we have this prophecy that came forth in verses 49 through 52. Then one of them, Caiaphas, being the high priest that year, said to them, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say in his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not only for that nation, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who are scattered abroad. Here's an interesting thing. Caiaphas was the high priest. According to the Mosaic law, he didn't have a legal standing as the high priest, Aeneas was the true high priest. A high priest was high priest for life. So until he passed away, it wasn't held by election. It wasn't held by a popularity vote. It was due to lineage and family line and position. And they held that position for life. But Rome learned that if they manipulated who sat in the authority as the high priest over the nation, that they could gain a little more control over Israel. So Rome began to appoint the high priest. And so they, it was Rome who appointed Caiaphas, the son-in-law of Aeneas. He did not believe. He wanted to see Jesus dead. And yet he prophesied concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, saying it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. So interesting to me that God can use non-believers to get forth his word, to do his work. He does it all the time. And we have an example of it right here in scripture. It wasn't that Caiaphas prophesied the word of the Lord because he was a good man. He was not a good man, but he sat in the position as the high priest, and because of that position, God used the position to speak through Caiaphas. It is expedient. It's a Greek word that means it's profitable or it's beneficial for us. And John, uh, this prophecy, he repeats it again in chapter 18, verse 14. Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So John uh, repeats this prophecy later on in his gospel as well. But John adds commentary explaining that Jesus not only died for the nation of Israel, but that he would die for all who would come to faith in him, whether Jew or Greek. That's the mission of Jesus Christ. And that's why we can go forth and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to whosoever would listen. 
Matthew 20, 28 tells us, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. And the work of Jesus, explained by Paul in Romans 5, 15, for if by one man's offense, many died, speaking about Adam, if because Adam sinned there in the garden by eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if by one man's offense many people died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. The work of Jesus is to bring salvation to both the Jews and the Gentiles. It's the mission of the good shepherd to gather together one, the children of God. That's what Jesus said in John ten sixteen. And other sheep I have who are not of this fold, them also I must bring, that they will hear my voice and be one flock and one shepherd. Both Jew and Gentile, we can come and worship together. And I love it that you can go throughout the world and you can find believers in Jesus Christ and you can worship together as one because Christ is the good shepherd. Christ is our Savior. So the chapter closes out. As they sought Jesus, verses 53 through 57. Then from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there into the country near the wilderness of the city called Ephraim, and there remained with his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. And they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think, that he will not come to the feast? Both the chief priests and the Pharisees have given commandment. If anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. So Jesus, suddenly he's on the most wanted list and they're out for him. They're ready to take him down at any time. And because of that, he pulled away once again. The hour had not yet come that he should offer his life. He was going to do that in God's perfect timing. It had to happen during the Passover of the Jews, during that coming Passover celebration. And we know that it is very close. We get to chapter 12. We're going to be six days before Passover. And so we're just uh, between a month or two before Passover. Jesus does this miraculous sign of the resurrection of Lazarus from the grave. And then because contention grew heavy and Jesus became on the most wanted list, he pulled away, went a little further, about 15 miles this time from Jerusalem. And he hung out with his disciples there, awaiting his time until uh, he would come for that final journey to Jerusalem. And so the resurrection of Lazarus from the tomb, it solidified the resolve of the religious rulers that Jesus should be put to death. In their minds, it was either Jesus or the loss of their place and their nation. And they not only feared Rome, they also feared the people. In Mark eleven eighteen, 18, we learn for the scribes and the chief priests heard it, and they sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. They knew if they just let Jesus alone, everyone would believe. 
And they had to do something about Jesus. But they also wanted Lazarus to die. For the chief priest in John 12 verses 10 and 11, it tells us the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. I got to tell you, there's no greater witness than those who were once dead in their trespasses and sins, walking around as a living testimony of the power of Jesus Christ to change lives. No greater witness. Father, we thank you for your word and for what it teaches us this day. And I pray, Lord, that as we close out this time of teaching, I pray, Lord, that you would just work in our hearts now as we worship in this closing song. Lord, if there is one who has a prayer need, I pray that they would come and and come forth to pray with Pastor Kevin or maybe just kneel down in the the front rows here and just uh, lift up their voice to you. But I pray, Father, that You would just help us to have surrendered hearts to do your will, knowing that you are the one who died for not just the nation of Israel, but for the whole world. Help us, Lord, we pray this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Hey.